Well, this weekend is the last weekend in our four campaign this year. That also means that today is our Sunday serve day. Hopefully, you had a chance to be in the gym during our 9:15 worship time, and you had a chance to assemble a bunch of those items that are going to be used all throughout our community to help bless a number of ministries. In fact, um, here's these ministries that you all were helping just today. And if you did not get a chance to do this, then I'm sorry, you're going to have to wait till next year. But um, today, as it is the end of our four campaign, this is also your last opportunity. If you have not already given your 1995 to four, um, you want to do that today. And if you have not already signed up to sponsor uh, a couple of kids through Gifts for All God's Children, again, please make sure that you do this today as well. This is your last chance to do both of these things. And I told you um, last weekend how just ridiculously generous you were on that very first weekend of the four campaign because on that weekend you gave over $15,000 that's going to be given away and then what I had no idea is that this past weekend you'd actually be even more generous than that first weekend because you gave an additional $19,000 all of which is going to be given away to support some awesome nonprofits in our community and to make a great big old 500 person baptism happen over in Bangladesh. And so I just want to thank you for your incredible generosity and for your heart for people in this community and all over our world. And again, the goal every year for our four campaign, I want you to do not forget this, the goal is not to raise a certain amount of money. The goal is actually 100% participation. Because I want all of you to be able to say that you had a part in making this tremendous demonstration of the love of Jesus happen in our community. So far, 90% of you, which is absolutely amazing, 90% of you so far have participated. So if you are part of the 10% that has not, if you're online and you're part of the 10% that have not given your 1995 to 4 yet, please make sure you can do that today. You can do it online on our website. You can do it on our app. You can do it on your phone. And even if you still have cash sitting around, you can even give cash in the lobby afterwards today. So please do not miss your chance to do that. Now every year in October, our church body puts on a conference for all the pastors in the state of Michigan. And so I was up there earlier, um, earlier this, this fall in October. And after one of the sessions, there's a bunch of us uh, talking uh, about our churches and about ministry and all that. There's about four or 500 um, pastors that are there at this conference every year. And so afterwards, I'm talking with a group of these pastors. And they were all kind of sharing, you know, what it is that our churches were doing this fall. And so naturally, I started to talk about you all. And I started to talk about our four campaign and how ridiculously generous you are every single year because you give so much money away to other organizations outside of our community. I told them that this year, in fact, I mean, you're going to give well over $130,000 away um, to other organizations, other ministries, other charities, uh, other churches, um, just to help people and to love people in the name of Jesus. And it's always so interesting to me, whenever I tell people about you and your generosity, I always get the same response. They always kind of look at me and I get this, you know, nice, I get a smile and a nod. And it's always quiet. And then someone, invariably, someone will ask me the question. They'll say, okay, Joe, come on, really, do you really? Like, do you really give it all away? I mean, you don't, like, keep a percentage of it for yourself or something? I'm like, no. No, we give it all away. Our people are ridiculously generous. We give it all away. And so today, as we close out our four campaign, I want to take a couple of moments and I want to talk to you very specifically about what makes it possible for us to actually do this. Because what makes it possible is very unique 
It's very central to what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and it's also a little bit counterintuitive. And that's exactly why we need to spend some time talking about it. Now, this is the fourth year of our four campaign. Many of you have actually participated in all four of these um, campaigns that we've had every year. And every single year on that first weekend of four, it is so easy, right? It is so easy for, for all of us, for all of us to participate and to give our 1995, right? Because it's a small amount of money. Right? We, we know um, it's a one-time gift. We know exactly where it's going. It's very, very specific. It's going to help children. It's going to help the working poor. It's going to help um, people in our community with medical conditions. It's going to help people in our community who are homeless. But giving like this, think about this for a minute, giving like this is certainly not an exclusively Jesus thing, is it? No, see, the truth is, this is more of an American thing. This is just who we are as people. Because the truth is, Americans love to give, and Americans love to give to help out people who are in need. That's just something about who we are. And I think this is great. This is, this is awesome, right? This is, uh, this is amazing. There's nothing wrong with this. But this is spontaneous giving, right? And this kind of giving is giving directly to help immediately. And this is how most Americans actually give. There's a specific need, whether it's here in our country or in another country. And we hear about a need, we see a need, and so we just we give immediately to help directly. And again, I think that's good. I think all of us who are followers of Jesus especially, we should always do that. There's nothing wrong with that. But what makes four possible, and the reason why we as a church can actually give away, think about this, tens of thousands of dollars to other organizations every single year. The reason we can do that all over the world is because so many of you, both here and watching at home right now, so many of you have actually learned to be more than just a spontaneous giver. You've actually learned to be a planned giver. You've learned to be a percentage giver. And you are a priority giver. Meaning that you actually have a plan for how you plan to give. It's not just spontaneous, right? It's not just, oh, I see a need in the moment. Many of us have actually pre-planned to give a, a percentage of our income away. We know at the beginning of the year, hey, this year I'm going to give away 10% of my money. This year I'm going to give away 15% of my money. This year I'm going to actually give away 5% of our money. So you are a percentage giver, right? And you're also a priority giver, right? You're like me. When you get paid, this is just what you do. You don't, you don't wait to be asked, right? You don't wait to be begged. I don't have to come up here every week and say crazy things like, listen, if you don't give us more money, I'm going to have to unscrew like every other light bulb in the building or something like that, right? I don't, you, some of you have been to places like that. Thankfully, we don't have to say those kind of crazy things. I don't have to plead with you like that. And by giving like this, right, by gi giving like this, by being a planned a percentage and a priority giver, um, what you are doing, and, and you may not have thought about it in these terms before, but basically, by having a plan for your giving, you're essentially doing for others what others did for you, or you're doing for others what you wish some others had done for you. You're doing for others what others did for you, maybe in the sense that you, you grew up in a church, and you're so thankful for the church that you grew up in that you want to actually make sure there is a church, a great church, for the people in this generation to actually grow up in. Or perhaps you didn't grow up in church, and, and so you want to make sure that there really is a, a great church, a church like our church, for this current generation to grow up in. 
And so by being a, a planned giver, by having a plan for your giving, what you actually understand, even though you've never maybe thought about it before, is that you actually are what allow, planned giving is what allows, allows spontaneous giving to be possible. Right? This is the reason why we can collect tens of thousands of dollars every single year and just give it away. It is because of the planned givers. Those of you who have a plan for how you plan to support your church financially. You're the ones who make the spontaneous giving that we do every single year as a part of our four campaign. And which is so much fun for all of us. You planned givers are the ones who actually make that possible. In fact, because of your generosity, you're the ones that actually make everything that we do possible. Right? You make the building possible. You make the staff possible. You make the classes and the events and the activities possible. You make the small groups possible. You make everything that we do possible. You make the staff possible. You make everything that we do. If you're a planned giver, you are the ones who actually make all of this possible day in and day out, week in and week out. And then on top of all that, allow us to give away tens of thousands of dollars into our community. And so I don't tell you this enough, but listen... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I am grateful for you. Right? I am grateful for you. But, and here's the but, and there's a little but with this. But, if I'm honest, okay, if I'm honest, this is also an area where I kind of feel like a little bit of a failure as your pastor. Okay? And those of you who, who know me, you, you know this is actually something I've talked about and I've, uh, I've expressed in many different ways, um, never in, in a public group like this before, but to a lot of you privately and those of you who I've done ministry with for a long time, um, you, you know this is something that's very important to me personally. Um, but here's the but, and, and, and this is the part that makes me feel a little bit like a failure. Only about 35% of you. Right, only about 35% of the adults who worship with us regularly, whether that's here um, in, in this building, whether that's at home with us, only about 35% of the adults who actually worship with us regularly, whether it's in person or online, only about 35% of you actually have a plan for how you plan to support your church financially. Now, by have a plan, I just mean give consistently, like four or more times a year. Now, the good news is this is better than 80-20, right? But it ain't that much better, right? It's not that much better. And the reason it makes me feel a little bit like a failure at times is because uh, it's not because we can't pay our bills. It's not because we can't do what, what we think we're called to do in ministry here or in our community. Um, that's not any of those things because we can pay our bills and we can do ministry, as you all know. Um, but the reason it makes me feel a little bit like a failure at times, though, is because financial stewardship, Right? Financial stewardship to a local church is, in fact, a critical part of what it means to actually follow Jesus. And maybe you've noticed this, but this whole following Jesus thing is kind of a big deal to me personally. And, and again, maybe you've noticed this, maybe you, you've never noticed this or never picked up on this before. In fact, um, I, I rarely, if ever, um, ever use the term um, Christian to describe us. Okay, I don't know if you've ever picked up on that or not, but that's actually a very intentional decision on my part. And I don't, it's, it's fine, I understand people call themselves Christians and they talk, that's, that doesn't bother me, that's not the issue. Um, but, but here's the issue, and those of you who were here with us last weekend, um, you, you'll really understand, uh, understand this about me. 
Um, but whenever I'm t talking or speaking or preaching or teaching to a group of people, I almost always, almost always exclusively refer to us as Jesus followers. And here's why. Because the word Christian, right, the word Christian is usually connected to a belief that you have. But being a Jesus follower is connected to an action that you do. The term Christian is usually connected to and limited to a belief that you have, but being a Jesus follower is connected to a series of very specific actions that you do. And Jesus followers, right? Jesus followers are so personally, emotionally, financially, and in terms of our schedules, we are so invested in what it is that Jesus is up to in the world that Jesus followers fund what Jesus is doing in the world through their church. Now, this is where I'm going to push you a little bit um, today. And if you don't believe what I'm about to tell you, then you can just go and, and read the Gospels for yourself. I'm just going to warn you, though, what you will discover is Jesus is actually far, far more forceful on this subject than I'm about to be. But listen, you cannot be, right? You cannot be. You cannot be submitted to the lordship of Jesus, right? The fellowship of Jesus. In other words, he's not actually your lord. He's not actually your king. He's not actually your ruler. He's not actually your boss if you are not submitting to your finances to him to support his work with the resources that you believe. Think about this. That you believe he has provided to you. You can't. You, you cannot submit yourself to the lordship of Jesus and not support what Jesus is actually doing in the world. Now listen, you can be a Christian, right? You can pray. You, you can believe in your heart. You can, you can have the hope of heaven when you die. You can believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. You can believe, 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 believe. But listen, you are not submitted to the lordship of Jesus if certain do things are not a part of your lifestyle and my lifestyle and your life and my life. Because as followers of Jesus, right, we have been called not to be Jesus believers, but Jesus followers. And so according to Jesus, right, just to make it really personal, let's just talk about me for a minute. What I do, what I do, what Joe does with his money is evidence of what is most important to him. Now, I'm not talking about the one-offs here, right? Because all of us, from time to time, we do silly, dumb, embarrassing things with our money. Truth be known, I have got an unopened box from Carlton Sheets hanging out somewhere in my basement. Some of you might actually know who Carlton Sheets is, right? But so I'm not talking about the, you know, something you saw on Instagram. I'm not talking about that late-night infomercial thing that, that you, know, you just had to have or you fell for or whatever. I'm not talking about any of those things. I'm talking about the consistent things that I actually do with my money. You want to know what's most important to me? Um, you, you just look at how it is that I actually spend my money and you will know what is most important to me no matter what I say. Right? This is what Jesus is getting at. This is why Jesus was so brilliant. It's because Jesus is unmistakably clear. No matter what I say with my mouth, Jesus would say, just, just follow the money and you will know what is most important to me. You will know what it is that I value most. And because of that, right, Jesus makes this incredible statement. And by the way, um, this is a statement that's true. And it's not true, like, if you believe in Jesus, then you'll think the statement is true. This is just true, right? This is just true because Jesus knew the hearts of people. 
And regardless of whether or not they believed that he was who he claimed to be, Jesus said this. He says, listen, where your treasure is and where your treasure isn't, where your treasure is, in other words, where it is that you actually put your financial resources, right? If someone was going to determine what is most important to me, what is most important to you by looking at how it is that we actually spend our money, what is it that, that, we would actually, that they would conclude about us? Right? See, this is what Jesus is saying right here. Now, for some of us, you may have heard this verse countless times in your life before, but you may never have realized that is, in fact, what this verse is saying before. Um, years ago, before Autumn and I were married, um, when I was just starting out in ministry, a, a guy by the name of, of Jim Burns, who's a mentor of mine, I've told you about Jim before, um, Jim gave me some terrific advice. And Jim said to me, um, because, again, he knew I was going into ministry, and he said, Joe, you should always handle your personal finances in such a way that if they were ever to be published in the local newspaper, that you would actually not be embarrassed. That you would be proud. Right now, that is great advice. Um, that's great advice for anybody, right? But that is especially great advice for a pastor. And so Autumn and I have always applied um, that same kind of advice to our giving. Our thought has always been, um, that we want to live our lives in such a way that if everybody in our church, right, everybody here, everybody watching, um, if, if everybody in our church um, were to find out um, exactly what it is that we spend our money on, that we would not be embarrassed by that, right? Because Jesus is right. And what I do with my money and what you do with your money, it is an indication of where our hearts are, right? It is a litmus test about what is truly most important to me and what's most important to you because you cannot be a Jesus follower and not submit your financial resources to your king and to your savior and to your lord where your treasure is right and you know how this goes there your heart will be also Right, this isn't something um, that, that you choose to believe Jesus is saying no this is something that just is and see, what's true of me is also true of all of us, right? It's all true of all of you. What you do with your money is evidence of what is most important to you. This is Jesus calling all of us out, right? We're all in the same boat according to Jesus, right? And this is why Jesus says, listen, following me, right, following me, following me, Jesus would say, it's not some kind of a private internal thing. Um, no, this is, a, this is a do thing. Not like do something so you go to heaven one day. No, this is something that you do because you've surrendered every part of your life to me. And every part of your life includes how it is that you use and you handle your finances in this life. Now, I want to say something um, very specifically to the guys that are here today. Um, and this is going to be a shock to you, I know. But I was, in fact, a man before I was a pastor. And so, so, money means to me exactly what money means to you. And my money means to me exactly 
what your money means to you, right? It's evidence of who I am. It's proof of what I've accomplished in life. It's a sense of, of my self-worth, of what, what I hope to do in the future, what I want to do in the future, how I've provided for my family, how I'm hoping to provide for my family, right? I do not live in some alternate universe where somehow money does not magically mean the same things to me than it does for you. And see, ladies, I'm sure that this is true for you as well, um, but for us men, right, I know, I, I know how foundationally true this is for us especially because of how it is that we view ourselves, how it is that we see ourselves, how we create our, the identity that we have for ourselves through the lens of what we have, what we hope to have, what we've saved, what we hope to do, what we've planned to do, um, what we've already accomplished in our lives. Right, see, this is also why, right, also, especially for men, right, many times, many times, our financial resources are, in fact, the last holdout, right, when it comes to surrendering, not to the believeship, no, surrendering to the fellowship, surrendering to the lordship of Jesus in my life. And listen, the reason I say this is because over the last 30 years of being in ministry in this place, I have talked to men time after time after time in our church, all of which who would say, okay, do you know when this whole thing about following Jesus, you know when this actually became real to me? It wasn't because I prayed a certain prayer. It wasn't because, you know, I raised my hand during that worship song. It wasn't because I made a commitment um, to, to be here and to bring my family to church every week. It wasn't any of those things. It's when I finally came to the realization that I cannot put me into the hands of my Heavenly Father without putting my money into the hands of my Heavenly Father. See, this is why. This is why Jesus calls us out about this. He says, listen, say what you want to say. Right? Believe what you want to believe. Tell people what you want to tell people. But until our Heavenly Father has access to what it is that represents us, what creates our identity, what's central to who and what we think we are, right? our money, until he has access to that, Jesus would say, listen, come on. And I'm your pastor and I love you. But you're playing a game. You're playing a game. Until your Heavenly Father has access to that thing that creates your identity and you see the way that you see yourself. Until he has access to that. He does not have access to you or to your heart. Now again, I'll, I'll be honest. We'll talk about me. Um, this, this is easier for me. Okay, This is easier for me than it is for, for most um, men. And I'll tell you why. It's because I'm such a godly guy. No, ask my kids, right? Ask my wife. Ask anybody who actually knows me. No. No, but, but it is easier for me, okay? It is easier for me because, listen, I've been doing this since I was 19, right? Several times in my life, before Autumn and I were married, when we were first married and first starting out, I was a middle school minister here at Faith. She was in grad school, right? Money was tight, right? Really tight. And yet several times in our lives as a couple, we just knew that we were supposed to give away um, certain amounts of money. Even when we really could not afford in a logical way to give away that much mo that money. We just knew that was something that we were supposed to do. And then in addition to that, there was a number of times in our lives where we felt like God was telling us to give away certain possessions that we had. Right? All in addition to tithing. 
And so ever since I've been 19 years old, right, I, I've just given 10% to the church right off the top. Right? That's just been what I've done ever since I was 19. And so when you grow up that way and you start that way, it's easier to continue that way, right? No matter how many zeros end up getting tacked on along the way. So it's easier for me. But listen, I understand the struggle with this. And here's the good news. God does not need your money. And because you're surrounded by 35% of us who are already doing this, the good news is the church doesn't need your money either. You need, you need to give your money. This is a discipleship thing. This is a follow Jesus thing. And if this is at the center of a struggle that you actually feel between you and your heavenly father, if this struggle for money is the thing that gets in your heart, right, then the good news is, listen, you are at a breakthrough. You are, at, you are close to a breakthrough in terms of your relationship with your heavenly father. And so as your pastor, listen, I need to poke at you and prod at you and kind of pull you along and drag you along at this every once in a while because this is core to what it means to actually follow Jesus, right? So one more time, all of you who are not already doing this, I want to challenge you to become a planned percentage priority giver. Now, I want to flip this around for a little bit and talk about why this is just so difficult for us. Because the truth is, we're all in the same boat with this, right? All of us. This is hard for all of us, no matter who you are. And part of it is the fact of just human nature and how we're kind of wired up as people. Because all of us, we actually prefer intervention over prevention, Right, so let me give you an example of what I mean by this. Um, we we kind of live our lives, right, and we get into all kinds of bad habits in terms of what we eat and what we drink and the alcohol we drink. And then we have some kind of a heart issue or a life issue or a cancer issue, right, and then we go run to our doctor and we say, okay, doctor, I need you to give me a pill or something. And the doctor looks at it and says, you don't need a pill, you need diet and exercise. And we say, I don't want that. That sounds like prevention. I want intervention. Give me intervention. I want to be better now. Right? That's what we do. And the truth is we do the exact same thing in our marriages. We do the exact same thing in our relationships with our kids. We do the exact same thing in our finances. Right? Which to use a word from the Old Testament is foolish. Right? Foolish. And see, we know it's foolish when we're in the middle of it. And we know it's foolish when we see other people doing it. But the truth is, what's true of us in those areas also becomes true of us in our giving. Right? And again, here's what I mean by that. All of us, right? All of us, me included, we all love to give to solve a problem. In fact, for many of us, probably most of us, if I were to ask you and if you were to tell me honestly... Probably most of us, probably me included if I'm honest, we, I probably like to give to solve a problem more than to prevent a problem. But which is better? Think about it. Let me ask you this way. Would you rather be cured of cancer or just avoid cancer altogether? Right? You'd rather just avoid cancer, wouldn't you? Of course we would. Of course we would. Prevention is better than intervention. Always. Always. 
Now, here's how this whole thing relates back to what we're talking about and why we're able to do what we can do with our four campaign every single year. Intervention giving is what most people do. It is what most Americans do. It is what most people do. Absolutely. I want you to actually be better than most people. I want us to be better than most people. And this is not an arrogance thing. This is a remember whose name we carry thing. And inter interventional giving, right, interventional giving, it is emotional, and interventional giving, it is um, measurable, right? They, they lost everything in a flood. They lost everything in a hurricane. I saw the pictures. What's going to happen if we don't, right? Intervention giving is emotional, and it is measurable. We gave X amount of money to this organization, and they did X amount of good with it. That's awesome. That's great. Everyone who's a follower of Jesus should give interventionally. Absolutely. As a church, we will always always do that. But see, here's where this is hard. Prevention giving is actually neither of these things. It is not emotional, nor is it measurable. However, prevention giving is superior, and I'll tell you why. You're going to be so impressed with this. I worked so hard on this. Because prevention giving prevents things. <laughs> Nobody wrote that down, though. Like, I didn't see that, no, no notes on that one. No, prevention giving, right? Prevention giving supports things. And again, this is why we're talking about this today. Planned percentage priority giving to an outreach-focused church is, in fact, preventative, right? And by outreach focus, I simply mean a church that's actually taking its money and doing things with that money in the community and not just keeping its money for itself, Right? A church is actually trying to reach people in the community and reach families and people in the community. A church that's actually working to build a great church in the community. You know what a great church is? A great church is a group of people who love Jesus and who love like Jesus. But here's the differentiator. A great church is also a church that has a plan to ensure that the next generation loves Jesus and loves like Jesus. That is a great outreach focused church they are for the community and they're for the next generation they are for the community and they are for the next generation and I'm telling you when you give to that kind of a church it is preventable but it is not emotional and it is not measurable but it is superior it is mature and it is distinctly Jesus following it prevents divorce it prevents abuse it prevents suicide it prevents spouse abuse it prevents child abuse it prevents drug abuse and listen I cannot tell you right I cannot tell you and, and here's where you're making a bigger difference than, than you realize I cannot tell you how many kids did not end up getting abused because mom and dad stayed together mom and dad didn't get hooked on drugs mom and dad didn't start abusing alcohol mom and dad even if there was an affair they figured out how to work it out and to stick it out and to stay together in the midst of very very difficult circumstances because of the influence of their church I can't tell you how many people that happens to but I get the stories all the time I get the emails I get the phone calls I get the cards you can't measure it you can't predict it but I'm telling you it happens all the time and the reason why it happens is because we're actually here because we are bringing Jesus into every relationship the programs that we have the staff that we have and the 35 percent of you who are planned percentage priority preventative givers you are making an incredible difference and you will never know you will never know the depth of the difference and the impact that you are making 
until. Until. Until one day, according to Jesus, right, according to Jesus, that we will live, all of us, in some other world. And according to Jesus, when we're there, somehow we're going to actually know the difference that we made through our generosity in this life. I can't tell you how many lives are going to be saved, how many lives are going to be spared in, for students, for children, for adults, through our church. And so to those of you who are preventative, planned, percentage, priority givers, thank you. Thank you. You are helping people to avoid a lifetime of hurt and pain and suffering. I can't measure it. You can't measure it. But it is real. Because prevention is better than intervention. Always. Whenever intervention can be avoided. And again, this is why I want all of us, right? This is why I want all of you, not just 35% of us. This is why I want all of us, 100% of us, actually giving preventatively. Right? Because you are a great church and you are fulfilling the mission of a great church. You're teaching people how to love Jesus, to love like Jesus, and you have a plan for making sure the next generation will love Jesus and love like Jesus. And our community is better because of you. This is how it happens, right? I've taught you this for years. You give, you save, and you live. You give first, you save second, and then you live on the rest. This is how you get financial security for you, but this is also, right, this is also how you impact the world through our church. You pick a percentage. You pick a percentage and you give it off the top, right? You pick a percentage and, and you be intentional. Again, this is where I'm going to push you a little bit because 90% of you, Right, 90% of you are already giving spontaneously. It is so easy to turn that spontaneous giving into a plan. We've made it so easy for you. Go to our website, get our app. Our app is called Church Center. Click on the Give button, put a dollar amount in, and then go down here to the bottom and just click the button that says Regularly. Right, Regularly. All of a sudden, you just came up with a plan for supporting your church. You can help prevent more heartache and harm and hurt in a year than you can possibly imagine. Come on, we have lives to change. We have people who need Jesus. We have families that are broken that need to be repaired. We have people who need to know they have a Savior no matter what. We have work to do. And listen, if you don't trust me, if you don't like me, if that's the issue, then go and find a church that you do like and come up with a plan to support that church with your finances. Because listen, this is too important for you to mess around with for another year. This is too important to, to not do this with you and your family. There is too much work in the kingdom for all of us to do for you to just mess around with this and not deal with this. Become a preventative giver. Now, some of you have actually grown up in places where you've heard someone like me stand up here and say to you something like this. Listen, because after all, right, after all, if you give God a dollar, he'll give you ten. You give him ten, he'll give you a hundred. You give him a hundred, he'll give you a thousand. You give him a thousand, he'll give you ten thousand. But you know that's not true. Because, I mean, after all, think about it. If that were true, the people who teach that, they would be sending us money. 
right? No, the reason, you know why this isn't true? Because this is all about me. And this is all about you. And what we're talking about today isn't even about us. This is not about something coming our way. This is about what has already come our way. This is a response. This is our response to what has already come our way. And listen, if you're a Christian, you've already believed this. While you and I were still sinners, while you and I were still sinners, Christ died for us, for you, for me. Right? Giving is simply the natural, appropriate response to what our Heavenly Father has already done for us. And so by you becoming a preventative giver, this is your opportunity to be at the center of what it is that your Heavenly Father is doing in this world. Listen, you've heard this before. The church is the hope of the world. Right? It is the hands and it is the feet of Jesus. There is no other organization that you can give your time or your money to that will accomplish the mission of God in our world better than your local church. The church is plan A, plan C, plan B, plan D. It is all the plans. The church is all of it. And this is our opportunity to join our Heavenly Father in what it is that He is doing in this place and around our world. Because after all, right, after all, you know the verse. For God, He so loved the world that He, can't, that he gave 10% can't even say it out loud. For God so loved the world that the word became flesh, dwelt among us, so that we would actually know what God is like, so that we would know that God likes us, so we would know what it means to actually live in the power and with the promise of his presence in our lives, that we would understand what it means to be made and created in his image? My goodness. But, last thing. If you choose not to do this, if you choose not to do this, we will be here for you. If you choose not to do this, we will always be here for you and for your family. And I'll let you in on a little secret. It's what we love to do the most. Because the truth is, for most of us, it is exactly what someone did for us. They loved us in the name and by the power of Jesus. And so we will always be here to do that for you. Let me pray for us today. Heavenly Father, Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you so much for, for your church, 
for giving us the chance, each of us, um, that call faith our church, for letting us be our church. And Jesus, the truth is, there is not a single one of us here in this place right now, watching online right now, there is not a single one of us that has lived a hurt-free or a pain-free life. And yet, in some remarkable way, Holy Spirit, you've done something in us that actually wants to help prevent hurt and pain in the life of other people, people we don't even know. And if we just stop and think about that for a moment, that is evidence. That is evidence of what it is that you've done inside of us because I know that's not me naturally. That's just not who we are apart from you, Jesus. And so Holy Spirit, um, that is you. It's you working in our life. Um, it's you using us to be the hands and the feet of Jesus and the lives of somebody else. And so my prayer for us as we close our series today, as we think about this message today, um, as we think about this high call to do hard things as a follower of Jesus, what that means. For the man or the woman that's here and this is their struggle, this is their struggle, Jesus, in submitting to you and submitting their life to you, I just pray that you would give them the courage to actually trust you with all, 100% of who they are. And Father, for the teenager, the 20-something, the young couple that's just starting out, the couple that's hoping to get married soon, the couple that just got married. And for them, Father, they're hearing all this and they're thinking about this. Father, I just pray, um, Holy Spirit, that you would speak into their hearts. They've never thought about this because they never really had money before, but now all of a sudden they have money. They have a whole future in front of them. So Father, I just pray, um, for everyone in that age and stage of life that you would just make this the habit of their life because of the blessing it's been to me to so many people to so many people that would talk about your faithfulness in that area of our lives and Father my prayer for all of us is that we would not hold back any of who we are because Jesus you did not hold back any of who you are because, and for doing that, Jesus, we are so grateful. We are so grateful for the gift of life and grace and forgiveness that you've brought into each one of our lives. As we pray all of this in your name.